Anybody love the Lord this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel him in this place. Thank you for your presence, oh God. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. When you get there, say amen. If you have a stolen Gideon's Bible, it's page 367. I'm not going to say amen. Hallelujah. All right. Are you, are you Numbers 13? Uh, hold your finger there and now go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now, let me give you a, a disclaimer today. Because the little lady was not with me to help me with the PowerPoint, there is no PowerPoint. But here's, here's what I want you to do. Actually turn in your Bibles and read with me. And we'll turn. Yeah. Can you imagine that? There's... What did Jesus do without PowerPoint? I don't know. My, my, my wife would say he pointed and there was power. There you go. All right, now, go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Beginning this series that I'm calling Believe. The one thing that changes everything. Look at me, neighbor. Your God, your faith is as big as your God. You can measure how big your God is by how much faith you put in the God that you say that you know. I would say probably more than any other thing, your faith or your belief reveals more about you maybe than anything else. What we do know this is this, is that faith is one of those elements that God has built the universe. In fact, when you get to heaven, people, you know, you know the word says, now these three remain, what? Faith, hope, and love. In other words, there's no time you'll get to heaven and say, well, we won't have to believe anymore. In fact, the word says that when God framed the world, Hebrews 11, 3, he said, he spoke, he said, by faith, he framed the world with his word. So faith is something that comes out of eternity, that comes into time, it comes out of heaven, into earth, and it's something that God operates by. And listen, without it, nothing else can happen. So faith is something that's so important. In fact, Paul put it this way. At the end of his race, watch this. He said, I have fought the good fight. He said, and I have kept the faith which meant there's a beginning faith and there's an ending faith. You say, can we receive the end of our faith? Church, can we receive the end of our faith? The answer is, yes, you can. Sitting right there where you are, you can believe unto the end. And faith is this element that, that creates, like we said, it's that expectation field, those, those currents, those streams that are invisible, but they're flowing around us and it brings into our possession the things that God has promised all right Deuteronomy let me pick it up in verse 2 just going to read through this because this will set us up for numbers 13 wow and it is 11 days now this time the word of the Lord came to Moses and spoke speak to all the people of Israel and said it's 11 days journey from Horeb to the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea 
Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, saying all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. After they'd killed Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashrath in Erdel, Edel, excuse me, on the side of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord your God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. I want to say it again, because that word is for somebody, and it's for us as a church. You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. In other words, God's looking at the mountain that you've been walking around year after year, the struggles, and he's saying to you, it is time for you to move on. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Turn and take your, your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites and all the neighboring places in the plain and in the mountains of the lowland, in the south and on the sea coast and in the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon. And as far as the great river and the river Euphrates. Verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, to give them and their descendants. And he spoke, and I spoke to you at that time saying, I alone am not able to bear you. That's, that's Moses saying, I can't do this by myself. And he says, the Lord your God has multiplied you. And here you are today as the stars of the heaven in the multitude. And look at verse 11. Wow, what a promise in God's word. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. That's a twofold blessing. He said, I want to bless your family a thousandfold and I want to bless you a thousandfold. Child of God, can you handle a thousand times blessing? Are you going to sit there today in church and say, I, I don't know if I, can, if I have the capacity. What he wants you to do, he wants to enlarge your capacity for this. What I want to tell you about this verse, it's one of the most really sad scriptures in the whole Bible. You want to know why? Because we're going to see in just a moment that with the decision that the 10 spies made, that it sent them around that mountain again for 40 years. And what we see here is that the journey from where they were into the promised land was, watch now, was 12 days. But what did it say there in verse 2? It was an 11-day journey, and it came to pass in verse 3, in the 11th month. You know, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, numbers are important, and you've got to pay attention to them. Do you know that the word, the, the, the numeral 11 is one numeral short of 12, which is the establishment of a heavenly government or in a heavenly administration, the sovereignty of God. 10 is the number of his perfection. So 11 was talking about you have come up short 
of the promise that I gave you. You want to know what Kadesh means? Kadesh means to come out of disorder or to go in with disorder and dysfunction, to arrive incomplete. So he's saying to them, he's saying, the Lord your God gave you commandments and he said, now he's going to take you to Kadesh Barnea. And it, and, and it was on the 40th year, the 11th month, and on the first day, it took them 40 years to get to the place. Now watch, after 40 years for a nation, they were brought right up to the place to where they could see the promised land and yet many of them were not going to enter because of unbelief, because of complaining, because of ungratefulness. There were things that kept them out. They got so close and yet it was, they sabotaged their own progress. Friend, we are our own worst enemies sometime, aren't we? That God has all these promises and a lot of times it's not the devil that is our worst enemy. It's, it's us because they came up short of what God had promised them to Canaan. One more day would have carried them beyond Kadesh Barnea. And in that place, they would have been established in that order. Can you see it? They said, they said it was a land of flowing with milk and honey. There is a place, child of God, that he has for you that he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to enter into all of his goodness, but he sets it up and says, but do you want to go there? Or do you want to walk around your mountain again and stare at that same thing again and again and again? No, God's got something better for you on this Palm Sunday. He's got a better promise, but you don't want to torpedo your own vision, your own call that's on your life. We don't want to fall short of God's glory and the wonderful things that he has waiting for us in Canaan. You see, Canaan church was a reality. They could see it. It wasn't just some, you know, like playing the lottery. You know, like, I hope I'm going to win. I wish I'd win. I, I'm, I hope I'm going to win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. No, it's not just something that you hang out in a vacuum. This is not about God's promises. It's not just it's some ethereal thing that's waving around on a cloud. No, it's real. Can I get a witness? The, 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 the promises of God actually exist. They are reality. And it was for them and it is for us. Remember we said there is a distinction that trust, because there, there are certain different things that are at work here. Trust is having confidence in God's character. Watch this now. Trust is having confidence in God's character. Faith is believing in his ability. And hope is the expectations, expectation that God's promises actually exist. They are really there but you're just not there yet because the word says we don't hope for what we have and see. We hope for what we don't see. All right? Now, turn back to Numbers 13. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. Help me preach to your people. Give revelation of what we're talking about today. Um, Numbers 13, let's pick it up in verse 30. Sean told me to stay up on the platform because our lights are a little dimmed out there. But these, these lights are so unforgiving to my hairline. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> All right, verse 30. Now let's set it up here. Um, they have come up and, and they, are, they are spying out the land. They, they have assigned leaders from each tribe and said, we want you to go in 
and we want you to spy on Canaan. Spy on, go in and see what's in there and, and, and come back and bring back a report to us. And then uh, it says in verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Mm. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. One version says an evil report, a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are of great stature. And we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And look at this, the last part of this. This is the heart of what I want to get to today. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Father, I ask you to open up our eyes to see the greatness of the God who has called us by name, who has redeemed our past and secured our future with a promise. I ask for you an unfolding revelation of both who you are and of who you've created and redeemed us to be. Do this, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, and all of God's people said. It says that Caleb stilled the people and said, let us go up at once and we can take them out. We can, we can overcome this. Notice the word is overcome. We can overcome them because we, notice this, we are well able. Notice they, were, they weren't saying that we were well able without our God. They were saying because our God was with us. He said, you go up and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you this day. And he says, I will be with you. And as they go forward, Caleb says, well, you know, God is going to help us to overcome. But the 10 spies said, we're not able. Why? Because, folks, they weren't looking at their God because they didn't really know their God like they should have. Do you? Because they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in ours. It's called a grasshopper complex. And here's how it works. It, it sees giants in the land, but it doesn't see, it sees how big the giants are, excuse me, but it doesn't see how big their God is. I need to bring this down to you. You see, a grasshopper complex and says, you know, that report I got from the doctor is too big. I'm looking at that. Uh, that, that my marriage is in trouble. My, my children I'm having problems with. I mean, I'm going through a difficult time. And, and there are mountains that are in your way that are poking their finger in your face and saying, you can't go anywhere forward because we're bigger than you. And the problem is, if you focus on the giants, they will keep you out of your promise. And apparently Joshua and Caleb saw that there was a great big God and he was bigger than the giants and they said, we are well able to overcome these giants. I want to say this again. Your God is only as big as your faith. Your knowledge is revealed, watch this now, quickly and easily when you're faced with giants. 
Whatever is inside of you, when opposition hits, instantly what's inside of you is revealed. You see, the word says, Daniel eleven thirty two says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. See, I can tell how big your God is by listening to you talk just for a few minutes. And as you talk, you'll either begin to magnify the giants in your life or because you know your God and you know he's strong and you know he's equipped you to do heroic acts. When you talk about them, you magnify him a whole lot bigger than your mountains or your giants. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about here today? So the 10 spies came back and they, they gave this bad report. And the problem is, folks, is that it, it sent them down a dark hallway back into the wilderness. And for Joshua and Caleb, yeah, there's always between the wilderness and between the traumas a dark hallway. And you've got to walk through there and you've got to believe that if God has called you, that if he's promised you, he's going to get you to the other side. I heard one missionary put it this way, between the mountaintop of God's promises and the mountaintops of God's provision, there is the valley of preparation. And God will always give you a promise and, and, and say, here it is, and then he'll let you see, there it is, we can see Canaan, we can see the promised land, it exists, it's real, it's not just a fantasy. And God says, but you know what, you're gonna have to walk through a valley of preparation to get you ready. And there are gonna be giants that are gonna face you, but understand, greater is the one that's inside of you than the giants who are standing in front of you. The bad report called them to double back and go back. Isn't that sad? How many of us have done that? Are we going to do this as a church when we hit giants? Giants of religion, talking about in the shoals. Giants of racism, they come and intimidate us. How dare you let blacks in your church? How dare you mix whites? How dare you let Latinos and Asians come among you? What we want is segregation. What we want is the Baptists over here and the Methodists over here. And what we want is all blacks and all whites and all his. We don't want you to get together. Why? Because we oppose what God has promised you. And when you begin to go after it, the enemy goes, wait a minute. They crossed the line. They're coming and to tear down the strongholds that we've established in this city for how many years now? And there's still yet a church to bring a breaker anointing to break this stronghold off of this. There are giants in the land. And when we move forward, we're going to see them. He says, you know what? But if you doubt, you're going to double back and you're going to go around the same mountain another 40 years. But if you'll trust in my character and believe in my ability and hope that my promises exist, I'm going to carry you through. You're going to step into your promised land. You know what I learned about this? It says that, uh, they said they... We saw the giants, verse 33. We saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs. Do you see that? It said that we were as grasshoppers. See, in, in, that, in their terminology, grasshopper was the lowest form of life. It'd be equivalent to us saying we were scumbags. We were dirt balls. I mean, we were nothing. We were skanks. We, 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 we're a no count. That's what a grasshopper was. How many of you ever, have you ever said that over yourself? My God, you as a child of God, 
Would you stand in the, in the middle, in the front of a great God and say, I'm a grasshopper? They had adopted a, 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 a belief of doubt about who they were. And look what happened. They said, because we were as grasshoppers in our own eyes, so we became as grasshoppers in our enemy's eyes. See, child of God, you have got to define who you are. You cannot let another man, you cannot let the devil define who you are. You've got to look into the face of your God and say, who am I and how did you make me and what is my purpose? And with that, you become the giant. With that, you become the one who possesses and not is possessed. You become the overcomer, the one who's not overcome. You become the conqueror, not the conquered. Can I get a witness? Give me strength, Lord, to get to the end of it. Faith determines the next season. Your faith for your promises will determine the next season that you walk in. Faith for this church will determine the next season that's coming. Is it going to be easy? Faith is, faith is always a challenge. Oh, I wish that it would be easy, but it, there's always risk involved. There's always the uncertainty. But what God does, he inserts himself in that and says, I'm going to show myself big if you move in faith. And I'm going to show that I operate by faith. But the thing is, is that you're going to have to trust me. You see, faith is rooted in knowing the character of God or trusting him. It's like, you remember uh, my little girls when we'd go out swimming when I was first teaching them, they'd get on the side of the pool and I'd say, come on, come on, honey, jump, jump and daddy will catch you. And they'll look and say, you know, they, they didn't know how to swim. They said, daddy, I, I, I don't know if I, I can't because the water's real deep. I'd say, come on, come on, honey, jump. I'm right here. I'll catch you. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a little scared. Daddy, I don't know. Come on, baby. I promise I'll catch you. I promise I'll catch you, but you're going to have to jump. And my little girls know that daddy, he, he, he doesn't lie. And so they jumped. And what happened? Daddy did exactly what he said he would do. You have a good God. You have a God that says, I've got promises for you. I've got things I've dreamed up for you. I've got things that I've planned for you. But he's saying to you, when you stand at the edge of where you are, of the wilderness and the promise, and he's saying, come on, child, jump. Daddy will catch you. But you say, but it's kind of scary, Pastor. It's because we don't know what's going to happen. God says, you're going to have to trust that I'm good. You're going to have to trust that I got you to where you are and I can get you to where you need to go. Come on, I need a little help here. Because the word says, without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible to please God. But yet, watch this. The word says, all things are possible to those who believe. Do you see that? It said, with, it said, nothing is impossible with God. Without faith, it's impossible, but all things are possible to those who believe. That's, that's actually, that may be, well, that's going to be next week. So hold the phone. So in other words, as big as your God is, measures the possibilities for you and what you believe. That's the reason belief is the most important thing about you. The measure of your faith is the measure of your God. What about Peter? Remember, he said, Jesus walking on the water. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And so he says, okay, come. But what happened when he got out on the water? The word says that, G, that, that Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and looked at what? The waves and, and the wind. And it said what? He began to sink. 
And what happened? Jesus came and he got him and he lifted him up. And what did he say to Peter? You know, people like, like you know, old Peter, you know, he, he, he should have known better. You know, a lot of people criticize Peter. I want to just say this about him. He was the only one that got out of the boat. Rest of more religious critics. Well, oh, Peter, I, I wouldn't do it that way. For heaven's sake, you know, if I were out on the water, well, I, you know, bless God, this is the way I'd be doing it. You ever notice how somebody's doing something for God I always get criticized for those who are doing nothing? And when you step out, you know, you got all these self-important critics. Ah, you're not doing it the way I'd do it. And yet, he didn't criticize him. Jesus didn't for that. When he lifted him up, he didn't say, you shouldn't have asked me to come out here. What did he say to him? Peter, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Now we know, whenever you get your eyes off of Jesus and onto your problems, the problems become bigger than your Jesus. And let me say this about that. Faith that doubt, you know, uh, faith is not the absence of doubt. A lot of people think, well, if I have true faith, I won't have any doubts. Listen, child, faith is not the absence of doubt. It, It confirms the presence of faith. You wanna know why? Because you cannot doubt what you don't believe. So the fact that you have engaged, Lord, I'm believing you for the promise. I'm believing you for my healing. I'm believing you for salvation of my family. I'm believing you for blessing on my house. I'm believing you for breaking curses off of me. Lord, I'm believing. But you said, when doubt comes, you say, that can't happen. It's opposing your faith. But see, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. And the word Jesus said, have faith in God. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, I'm trying to stay up here, help me, Lord. You got, to, you got to speak to your mountains. Don't let the devil shut you up and put you in a corner like a puppy with his tail tucked and say, oh, that's a big devil. They're a big giant. They devour people in the land. Nobody's ever taken them out. The devil goes, good. Just sit over there and shut up and don't get up until I tell you. And he'll cripple you with fear. And he'll put unbelief inside of you. And you'll never see your promises because you're listening to the wrong one and you're looking at the wrong one. And when we we look at who he is and what he said, then understand, he says, you can speak to your mountains. Don't run to the church and say, Pastor, Pray for me, I've got mountains in my way. Don't run to that prayer warrior that you know can pray heaven down. Don't go to mama, don't go to daddy, don't go to granny, don't go to papa, don't go to somebody down the street. Are you hearing me, saint of God? You can go to the throne and you have authority. Greater is the one that's inside of you. And when you stand in the front of the mountains, you say, you mountain, you giants, I'm speaking to you. You hear my voice? You see, I have a voice of authority because the one who conquered you, death, hell, and the grave lives inside of me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And I'm speaking to your mountains, you're going down. I'm saying you shall be made plain in the sight of my God. Just like, oh God, help me. Just like David. David, he's there just a little junior highs. Don't kids, don't tell me that you're not great. Don't tell me I'm not old enough. 
Don't sit up and tell me I'm not even in high school yet. How can God use me? He was just a junior higher. And all the big people, all the adults, they're all sitting around sucking on their teeth and saying, who's going to take out Goliath? Oh, saying, who, who's going to take him out? He's blaspheming our God. He's threatening us. He's saying he'll take any one of us out. And David, that little shepherd boy, he walks up. He says, you know what? I got a past. I took out a lion. I took out a bear. I got holy momentum on my side. And he says, you let me at him. Oh, I don't want to, that's a whole other message, but it said he got five stones. There's a whole lot of there. Five's the number of grace. But it says, you know, it said that when the, when the, the, the giant stood up, it didn't say that David cowered behind a rock. You know, I'm going to see if I can snipe him. You know, whew, whew, whew. you know, what did it say? It said that when Goliath stood with his shield and his spear and his sword, it said that the young junior high ran, ran into his face. Are you hearing me? He ran into the face of his giants. And here's what the Lord is saying to you kids. You run into the face of your giant. You don't run away from the face of your giant. You, conf- you confront it and you say, giant, you're standing in front of my promise. You're in my way. And you come to me with a shield and a sword and a spear. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord my God. You're going down. And I believe an angel of the Lord took that stone and directed it. Planted it in his forehead. Knocked him out. That's not what killed him though. Read it on. He killed him with his own sword. He took his own sword, Goliath, and he chopped his head off. Can you? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Here's, here's David walking back into the camp with the head of the giant. That's not going to be in your precious moments, Bibles. Are you seeing that? He took him out. Because in a little shepherd boy, there was a great mighty king, the king of glory, who's strong and mighty in battle and can conquer, knowing that the battle does not belong to you, but the battle is the Lord's. And if you'll just step out, if you can run into the face of the enemy, you take him out. But here's what you've got to catch, and here's what I want to get to as I bring this now to a close. God, they said that we were as grasshoppers in our sight, and so they were in ours. And we were in theirs, excuse me. You know, the first thing that they had to do before they were going to conquer their promise is not conquer the giants that they could see on the outside. They had to conquer the giant that was inside of them. Because, see, that giant stood inside of their mind. And how many of us do this? I can't do that. I can't believe this is too hard. That seems impossible. I think my Bible says nothing. Is impossible. I love it. See, God loves bold dreams. He loves when you dream big. He loves when you take it and say, my God is a big God and he can do anything that he said. You know, and I'm going to just move toward that promise. God said, I like it. I love it. Bring it. But see, the problem is that giant inside of us, he remains unconfronted. 
He remains unfaced. And somebody's got to rise up and put your focus, set your eyes on that giant inside of you and says, no more. I'm not going to let you send me back around that mountain again. I need a witness up here. I'm not going to let you send me back to my wilderness. I've come too far now. And I'm going forward. And let me, I've got a a late-breaking bulletin to all you giants in front of me. You're going down. I'm going to open up a can. Hmm. I guess that was under anointing because I didn't, I didn't write it. It's not in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your promises. Turn to Hebrews. I want you to see this. Turn to Hebrews. You got to get this. Hebrews. Uh, just go to any chapter you want to. I'm going to go to chapter 10. Chapter 10. Y'all all right out there? Are you receiving the word of the Lord today? Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to pick it up in verse... Let me see here. Let's pick it up in verse 36. Listen, child. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance... So that, now notice, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We are of those who believe under the saving of the soul. Do you see, child of God, that he doesn't go with those who shrink back in doubt. He goes with those who move forward in faith. He goes forward with those who say, God, I have confidence. And you say, don't throw away your confidence. It's got a great reward to it. Are you listening to me, church? He says, you have need of endurance. See, our problem is, is that we give up too easily. When we get discouraged, we just walk away and say, well, this is too hard. I want to say to us as a church, yeah, it's hard, but, but the best things are, 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 are hard to get. And you have to fight for them. They cost a lot. But all the reward is so much better than the struggle. It far outweighs any affliction, any adversity, any difficulty, any hardship that's out there. Because it has an eternal weight of glory attached to it. Because you believed when everything around you says you can't. It's too big. It's too and nobody's ever done it. It's impossible. And then you look back and say, but all things are possible with my God and I believe in him and he is well able we are well able to go up and take this land because God has given it to us (laughs) you catch the irony in that he says I'm going to give you the land behold I'm giving you the land and then what does he say now go and possess it I thought you were giving it to me Lord I am it's yours now you got to go get it but guess what when you go there's going to be giants in your way but they're going to test your faith Because, see, I want to see how big your faith is because it measures me in your life. I want you to to see that I can be with you in battle. I can be with you when you're standing in the face of giants. 
See, the problem is, is a lot of us don't realize how faith and trust and hope all work together because some things, when it says we hope, it's not that we, we hope for things that we don't see. I want to read this verse to you, Romans 8, 24. Now listen to this. If you've never read it, Romans 8, 24, if you want to turn there, it says, we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. For what man sees, why would he yet hope for it? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we do it with patience. When we hope for what we do not see, we do it with endurance or patience. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Notice that desire in this verse is directly linked to hope. What is it, child of God? What is it that you're hoping the Lord for? You know, that's an interesting word in the Hebrew. Because oftentimes, in fact, in a lot of our texts, the word hope is translated wait. Did you know that? Watch this one. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you know it's it's translated they that hope in the Lord? It's either or. They that hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. So see, hope is, is, is a desire of something to come, but it lays hold of that hope and says, I will not go. But guess what? Faith is letting go and letting God's ability do it for you. I know that's crazy. In some cases, you got to let go. In some cases, you got to hold on. Reminds me of a story of, of a man that died. He, or excuse me, he dreamed that he died and went to heaven. When he got there, he was sitting on the front porch of this beautiful mansion. And as he was sitting there, he noticed that any desire that he had any wish that he had, it would instantly manifest in front of him. And he, he thought something, he said, you know, I'd like a scoop of vanilla ice cream on a sugar cone. <laughs> you know, I would like a 1967 Camaro. <laughs> and he noticed again and again, every time he, he, he thought of something, he had any kind of gratification, anything that he desired, it would instantly, and then this went on for quite a while. And then things started accumulating all around him. And in the dream, he started becoming weary. He started saying, goodness, he says, anything I want, it's mine instantly. And then he noticed that he started becoming weary of getting everything that he wanted the moment that he wanted it. And then he realized that over time that he had gotten so much stuff that he even forgot about some of the stuff that he had. And he said, and then he, in the dream, he said he, he moved into despair. And he thought, this is, this is not how I thought it was going to be. This is not what I thought heaven was going to be like. And just at that time, a passerby on the front of the road happened in front of his house, a stranger. The first person that he had seen. And he goes, hey, hey. And the stranger stopped and turned. And he, he nodded. He said, wow, you're the first one I've seen here. He said, I don't know about you. He said, this, this kind of really didn't turn out like I want. I mean, heaven's great and all, but man, you see all this stuff and I'm getting everything. I'm kind of a little overwhelmed with it. He says, so is this kind of what you thought heaven was going to be like? The stranger looked back at him with dismay on his face and said, sir, you thought you were in heaven? And the dream ended. Jesus put it this way. When the little widow woman 
came and said, Lord, avenge me of my enemy. And said in her, her continual coming to the unjust judge, will you avenge me of my enemy? Will you overcome my enemy? And the unjust judge would not listen to her. And then finally he said, this is Luke 18, he said, this woman is going to wear me out. He said, therefore, I'm going to answer her. And then Jesus pivots and he says, and will not your heavenly father answer to his very own elect who cry out to him day and night, watch, though he bear with them long. You see, when you're hoping for something and you're believing something, but it hasn't come on your timetable, you understand the bearing with them long means God's bearing with something in you. It's not that the secrecy can't get the answer to you. He can get it to you in 24 hours. That's not the issue. He's bearing with you. He's wanting you to conquer those giants inside of you. He's wanting you to speak to the mountains and say, you've got to get out of my way because I have a promise. You're standing in front of me and greater is he who is in me than he who's in this world. I want to challenge you today, church, on this Palm Sunday. This day where we commemorate that he went to the cross and he died, he was beaten and they hung him there. I want to say to you again, are you listening? That that 2,000 years ago, God had already shown you what he thinks of you. God has already shown you what he wants for you. It is his very, very best, but it cannot be activated unless you believe. The most famous verse in the Bible, what is it? God so loved the world. God so loved the world that what? He, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes that unlocks every promise of God, of salvation, said, will he not freely give us all things? The one who did not spare his son. The word says that God demonstrated his love for you. You gotta hear this preacher child. I'm trying to get it something down inside of you that he demonstrated his love. You don't earn it. It doesn't diminish. It's not up one day and down the next. His love is coming full force. And it said he lavished, John said, his love on you through the cross. And he said, child, I gave you my best. Now, what will you do? Will you believe that I'm a God that can give you the promises I've made to you? Will you believe that I'm bigger than the giants? What are you talking about? I'm talking about depression. I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about sickness. I'm talking about addiction, whether it's, 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 it's uh, drinking or substance or pornography or, or gambling or, or anger or, or whatever things that try to bind us up and, and yet we're a child of God and we realize we're bound and we're saying, I can't get free because I am a grasshopper in my own eyes. And God is saying, you've got to speak. You've got to remove those grasshoppers. You see, what it is, psychology, you want to know what it calls that? Psychology calls that shadow beliefs. You know what a shadow belief is? You know what a shadow is? A shadow is a silhouette of who you are. A shallow, it's a shallow thing, right? There's no depth to it. It's not real, and it's dark. It's the absence of light. But nevertheless, it reveals or it gives a semblance of who you are. See, shadow beliefs are things that we have accepted about ourselves that aren't true, but they become true because we believe it. Right. 
And it is time today for you to speak to the shadows. I want to tell you what right now, as I'm about to bring this to a close, I want to stand before you in my life and for this church and say, I'm speaking to some shadow beliefs inside of the preacher today. I'm preaching as much to me as I am to you. I'm speaking to some things that the devil has tried to attach to me and I'm going, that is not what my God said. I am able to overcome whatever the the giants that are facing me and I can speak to shadows and I can shine the light on and they will dispel because the word says in your light we shall see light now I want you to hear these last couple of statements because these are decrees first it's time to confront your giants Pastor Ben come on just play softly as, as I'm wrapping up here it's time to face and confront the giants inside of you and this is like a mixed message, church. It, it is, uh, we've got we've to confront the giants that are, that are standing in our way as, as a people and face them down and say, we're not going to let you back us into a corner, devil. You're, we're not going to let you shut us up. We've come too far now. We know who we are. We're coming after you and we're going through. We've got to first take those giants out inside. Then we've got to take the giants out around us. We're called to war. We're called to contend for a promise that God has given us. Later on, God told Joshua as he was about to enter in, because that's Joshua and Caleb were the two that did enter into the promised land. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Imagine that. God says, as you're going in, you're walking into your promise, but you're going to have to be strong. And you're going to have to be bold. You're going to have to be courageous because you're going to face some battles. But understand, you can't win a war without winning some battles. And you can't claim the victory unless you have fought the fight and you have won. God cannot bless someone who will run from the fight. Why do you think that he told Gideon's army? He said, we got, we got these thousands of people in the army. And God says, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to know, Gideon, you've got too many. I want you to go up before the, all of those who've come to volunteer and say, anybody who's afraid, go home. And it said at that, many departed. And then the next thing, God said, he will put the warrior to the test. He will put the one to the test that says, I've called you, I've given you a promise, I've called you a conqueror. And then he says, you tell him to go down to the water. And he said, and those who take and and stick their face in the water and lick like a dog, he said, send them home because they're not alert. They're not attentive. They're not paying attention. They're only focused on what their need is. But he said, the ones, watch, he said, the ones that bow to the water and scoop with their hand and keep their eyes on the God who called them there. He said, those are the ones you take into battle. The ones who win the battle are not the ones who look down in the water or look at the waves or look at the giants or look at the mountains. The ones who go into battle and win are the ones who scoop and keep their eyes on the horizon and say, not only do we know who our God is and he is bigger than any giant I ever face, we also know how our enemy acts and we're not going to let him pin us down. So here's a statement I want to say over you. Church, child of God, 
Hold out for God's best. I don't know what I'm talking to you, but you know the Spirit of God has located that in you. I'm saying to you this morning, the word of the Lord to you is hold out for God's best. Don't negotiate with the enemy. Don't settle. Don't go for seconds. Don't pull up short. Don't go to the 11th uh, day and, and go to Kadesh Barnea and say, this is good enough. Don't let him make you sign a treaty with him just because it's a little easier. Go ahead and say, God, I believe that you gave your best for me. Therefore, I'm going to give my best back to you. Church, miracles happen to those who choose to believe. I want to say it again. Miracles happen to those who choose to believe. Now, look this way. I'm done. I'm done. That's it. How do you like that clothes? <laughs>